calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another live episode of uh, The Geek Buddies. Put your drinks down because we're ready to go here on this lovely Thursday as you're listening to us or watching us now, depending on how you're consuming The goop, the Geek Buddies. Not The Gook Buddies. The Geek Buddies. Geek, okay. All right. I'm going to stop talking now. Let's move on. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, but let's move on. The Geek Buddies. Geek Buddies. Sorry about that. Wrong vowel there. This is, this is maybe our, uh, our best in- intro yet. <laughs> Well, we were having a bunch of conversation off camera before we started. So my mind's in a million different places. We're having fun doing that. But we got to – listen, we are in a new era of the world, and that is the post-Zack Snyder, Snyder Cut is happening era. Everything changes from here on out. Everything changes. Nothing is as you knew it to be anymore, as if 2020 couldn't get wackier or more insane. It legitimately is happening, the Snyder Cut. I am one of your hosts here on the Geek Buddies. My name is John Roke. I'm a writer and producer host all over this town and a big fan of these two gentlemen to my right or immediate left, depending on how you're watching us. Uh, Michael. I, I, just want, I just want to make sure we're clear. We went global pandemic, murder hornets, 
Snyder cut. So that's the direction. <laughs> well, don't, don't skip the flamethrower squirrels and the sniper monkeys. Don't forget about the sniper monkeys. We have uh, that as well. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of TV show of animated TV shows and movies, and I have reached my max 2020 capacity with today's news. Would you say <laughs> your HBO max 2020 capacity? Kaboom. I have, Kaboom. I have reached. I have reached my HBO Max today. <laughs> and my name is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. And as uh, my my esteemed geek buddy and co-host, John Roca, pointed out, my hair is getting very fluffy. It's out of beard, control. My beard's getting very full. Yeah. And I'm filled with love right now for these two gentlemen to oh. my left or immediate right, depending on which way you look at it. <laughs> If you start, if you start talking to a volleyball, I'm calling help. <laughs> I'm calling emergency services. I'm calling emergency services and sending them to Toluca Lake. I mean, there's what no, if there's no sporting equipment in my? <laughs> there's some golf clubs that I haven't used in five years. <laughs> well, don't start talking to them. Yeah, please don't. Can you imagine Shannon all out by himself where he lives, just in a pair of shorts, just wandering around with that beard? Is Wilson? Wilson? <laughs> yes. Well, I can't yeah, fair, That's fair, the problem. Fair. Yes, I can. <laughs> well, we got a we got an episode that is uh, just chock full of content today. We're going to talk about, like we mentioned, the Snyder Cut. Certainly, that's the big news. We're recording this on a Wednesday, dropping on a Thursday. It broke today, so it's very current for all three of us. And we're also going to talk about uh, the Batwoman drama casting news there with Ruby Rose stepping out uh, as the lead of that series on the CW. We're going to talk about some Star Trek news as well, the new show that's uh, dropped here. Uh, but, uh, Mikey, I think you're going to start us off today with the updates <coughs> from the Mandalorian season two. And for those of you who are new to the show, thank you. For those of you who are uh, veterans of the show, thank you for coming back as well. You know how we do it. Three geek news items, a little bit of a break for our patrons on the podcast, and then jumping right into our main topic, which of course is going to be Zack Snyder. So Mikey, please take it away. And for those of you that have been listening for the past few weeks, you know, we've talked a lot of Star Wars and we keep saying we're not going to talk Star Wars again. And (laughs) they just keep filling us with more stuff. Like, you can't not talk about it. So uh, our first item, more of just an update on all things Star Wars. Uh, They uh, announced last week that in addition to Rosario Dawson coming on to Mandalorian Season 2 playing Ahsoka Tano, and in addition to Tamora Morrison coming on to reprise his role as uh, Boba Fett, well, I guess not reprise, but to play a grown-up Boba Fett uh, and potentially maybe play more characters, uh, potential clones, Rex characters. They've also announced that Timothy Oliphant is going to be joining the cast of Mandalorian Season 2. It was then uh, leaked that he would be wearing the Boba Fett armor, but since he couldn't actually be Boba Fett because Boba Fett is a grown-up clone of Jango Fett, uh, it is... It is actually thought that John Rocha was right last week that he will be playing a character named, is it Cobb Vanth? Cobb Vanth. Yes. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, so there's a lot of, there was a lot of questions about uh, Boba Fett and did he survive the Sarlacc pit? What happened? How did that mm-hmm. go on? And it does seem like if uh, Timothy Oliphant is indeed wearing the Boba Fett armor, that it would tie into that character, Cobb Vanth and the aftermath story that Johnny talked about last week, that he is a uh, sort of a, a sheriff in Freetown on Tatooine that he got this armor uh, from some Jawas who fished it out of the Sarlacc pit. So that brings up questions about who Tamora Morrison is actually going to be playing if he's only going to be playing Boba Fett in a 
flashback or if he is now Boba Fett coming back to find his armor. Raises a lot of questions, but really exciting news. And then in addition to that, uh, Ahsoka rumors flying left and right. There are rumors that uh, Disney Plus and Lucasfilm are working on a standalone Ahsoka Tano series. There are rumors that Ahsoka will be showing up in the four-episode arc of the Obi-Wan series. Uh, so there's a lot of questions of where she's going to show up. It all would make sense. All of those things would make sense for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, casting someone on the level of Rosario Dawson does seem like you have more plans for Ahsoka Tano than just a one episode appearance on Mandalorian season two. So right, right. a lot of exciting news. Not, I mean, we could spend hours talking about it, but we've already spent hours in the past few weeks talking about it. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if Cobb Vanth is indeed, as John said, this sort of sheriff type character, Timothy Olyphant makes sense. I mean, he, he has played Lawman uh, two times before in Deadwood and in Justified, possibly in films as well. Um, yeah, I think the more interesting thing is is the Tamora Morrison factor is, okay, is this, you know, we know that Mandalorians have a very affectionate relationship with their armor. Is mm-hmm. this going to be about Boba tracking down his his armor that was stolen by some Jawas? Is it going to be, is it going to be a flashback? These are all these are all lovely questions to have. These are all fun <laughs> questions to have because that just means our enthusiasm for the Mandalorian season two is is very high, especially because we don't know when the state of the world is going to change right now. So the fact that we're going to get something new in September is wonderful. I can't and, and uh, Timothy Olsen yeah. is an awesome, awesome <clears throat> actor. Like he's he's going to be a blast to watch in the Star Wars universe. Well, it's coming out in October, to be fair. October 2020. Oh, it was on, October? Yeah, yeah, October on uh, Disney+. Plus. And thank God that has not been pushed or moved because of uh, the COVID or coronavirus because they had finished the they had finished the uh, initial photography before or the whole shoot they had finished before the regulations came down. So everything's being handled post-production remotely, which is great. Uh, and most everybody who's, uh, you know, been following this story, I'm sure is aware of that. But yes, I uh, first of all, I'm not going to take credit for Cobb That's Slash Film. They suggested it. I did the deep dive on it and said that this sounds like a damn good idea. Uh, I- Michael, Michael felt it was a bit... Uh, a bit out there possibly but you know i think it's still like tricky to do this uh you know so michael's uh, fears or concerns about it are warranted uh but i like the idea uh, of it what were you gonna say mikey sorry oh hey i was gonna say as far as i'm concerned you brought it to me not slash okay. film you, right, you're right. the one that it, you introduced me to Cobb vance so i'm giving you full credit okay. in my universe all right but uh no i, I was gonna say one trouble. of the things yeah. One of the things when I read the uh, when I read the article uh, that kind of explained a little bit more, uh, yeah. something that really struck me as interesting that actually I think I tweeted this to you guys, but it did make me think that there was uh, that this was probably the way they were going to go is they talk about and since I haven't read the aftermath books, I didn't get this detail that mm-hmm. when Jabba once Jabba dies in Return of the Jedi, once yeah. Leia you know chokes him with the chain. Uh, there's like a power vacuum in Tatooine as far as yeah. organized crime goes. So it kind of like opens up all of these issues, which is why Cobb Vanth sort of rises to prominence as sort of this mm-hmm. guy who's like protecting this wild west with criminals. And John Favreau really early on uh, when they announced Mando season two did tweet that image. It was like a, a maquette of like a Gamorrean out of his armor. Right. And so we know we know from that that there's going to be a Gamorrean. And mm-hmm. so it all seems like it's all sort of tying together into this thing. And uh, I would love it if Tamora Morrison kind of played Boba in a flashback and then played Rex. And like, there's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. To Shannon's point, True. we could ask questions all day and we could uh, we could come up with a thousand different theories. But it is just exciting that we are in a place where we're this stoked about the possibilities of what could be happening. 
Yeah, it's exciting, absolutely. Because Cobb Vanth, once again, is Cobb Vanth is an interesting character because he's from the Aftermath trilogy series, and different characters talk and tell the story of their experience with Cobb Vanth. This is almost like a Citizen Kane situation where everyone else is telling you how this person is, but that person himself doesn't speak for himself. So we'll I'm curious to see how they're gonna make this character exist in the world of the in the Mandalorian, is it going to be other people like Malakili is the uh, Praetorian guard who was in charge of the Rancor that was killed by Luke Skywalker in that bit. He is a part of the aftermath trilla series of books and talks about his experiences with Cobb Vanth. So yes, Mike, you make a great point. This guy is, uh, this guy slides into this power vacuum. And of course, whenever we see this and we know this, whenever a big boss is removed, everybody fights to be the next big boss and it causes all kinds of drama there between these warring factions. Maybe he rises up in that moment because there's also a hole in the uh, lawman side of things as well. There's a vacuum of power in fighting back against these criminals. He steps up into this position, gets that armor from Jawa, from the Jawa and who knows how he gets it. And then, you know, kind of radiates that idea that he's a Mandalorian. So naturally people are intimidated by him and, oh, he's probably good at the gun shooting and all that stuff as well. So that helps to reinforce the idea. Plus if he got the Boba Fett armor, people hear Boba Fett and are immediately intimidated as well when they come into any confrontation with Boba Fett. So maybe he's using it in that way. Um, I my concerns are this, he's played lawman before. So what's going to make this one stand out and make it different from other lawmen that he's played before. I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. I mean, he played a cowboy in freaking once upon a time in Hollywood as well. So like, what's going to make him stand out in this role that probably the armor, probably the armor. (laughs) No, I'm just saying the performance, you know, but like, but like the armor. Okay. gonna be <laughs> right we're still gonna hear his voice though so is he going to do because he also played the voice of the west in rango don't people forget that all voiced over the clean eastwood character uh that we saw in his uh, vision uh, that rango had in his vision so there's a lot involved here and we'll see how this all plays out but like once again here we go Oh, the idea of, uh, is it Oliphant in the uh, boba fett armor who shows up uh in the shadow over ming na wen's body I wonder, or is it Boba after he's acquired his armor back from uh, 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 Cobb Vanth? I don't know. So this will be curious. A lot of moving pieces that are exciting uh, with uh, Ahsoka Tano. Coming. And now there's rumors that Sasha Banks, the professional wrestler who was recently cast in Mandalorian as well. No one's talking about her that much outside the WWE. If she's possibly playing Sabine Wren, uh, you know, Sasha is uh, uh, Snoop Dogg's cousin. Uh, or niece, I think, cousin or niece. Uh, and she is, uh, you know, she wears her hair in multiple colors all the time as a professional wrestler. She is in the show. So what part is she playing? So a lot of rumors are coming out that she might play in Sabine Wren, not Tia Sarkar stepping out from behind the mic character. So there's a lot, a lot happening here with the Mandalorian. And, uh, you know, we only got a few more months. So I, June is right around the corner. I do. We said this before. I'll just say this and mm-hmm. then we'll move on because we've talked about it a ton. But I do feel like, and I, and I think this is exciting. I know a lot of people are concerned about, is this two-packed? Are we getting away from right, Mando right. and Baby Yoda? Like, whatever. But it does feel like, with the plans that Lucasfilm is laying out, that they are using season two of Mandalorian to potentially spin off into a bunch of other things that can happen in both TV and film for right. Star Wars, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating, too, because, look, Disney bought Fox, right? So Disney owns Fox. Fox had worked into into an agreement with the WWE for Raw 
for SmackDown rather to be on Fox, right? So now here we go. Uh, Gina Carano by connection because she's an MMA fighter can kind of slide into this. And now you choose a professional wrestler who's in under the WWE banner under the Fox banner to slide into this Disney property. So a lot of synergy as the, uh, as the executives might say going on here in this situation. So we'll see, but look, he got a great performance out of Gina Carano uh, compared yeah. to some other performances from her. So we look forward <laughs> to see what you can get from Sasha Banks. So, um, all right, what do we got? What do we got next? Well, we had some very, very big news come out uh, yesterday as when we were recording this, but on Tuesday the 19th, it was announced that Ruby Rose, who plays Batwoman on the yeah. CW's Batwoman, would not be returning for season two. Now, this is this is pretty crazy because the show had been picked up for a second season. Um, the the ratings started off pretty big, and then yeah. they gradually declined, like most shows do. Um, but yeah, the fact that she is coming out and not returning. Now, the producers and Ruby Rose, they both released a statement. It was very polite. Of course it was. Saying like, hey, we, we came to sort of the, came, came to a mutual decision that it would be best for, for, me to, for me to step away from this. Neither one of them are saying what happened. A lot of rumors floating around. Um, she did have a pretty serious injury back in September, I believe. They're yeah. saying that wasn't the cause. But the idea that, uh, yeah, they're going to be finding, uh, they're <clears> going <throat> to recast the role. It doesn't sound like they're going to try to continue the show without the character. Mm -hmm. uh, gentlemen, what do you think here? Mikey? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's I. Uh, I I think that this is probably in the long run going to be the best for the show. I, uh, I actually I actually didn't watch Batwoman this past season. It's something that I need to go back and catch up on. Um, but what I I had seen her play Batwoman in the big DC crossover, mm -hmm. uh, the Crisis crossover, and I just don't think that she was. From what I saw and from what I've heard from other people, I felt that she was not as good as the rest of the show was. I think that Batwoman was a really well put together show. Uh, and I think that maybe she wasn't the strongest lead for it. I'm not saying that that's why she's gone. Uh, I don't know if it was her choice. I don't know if it was the producer's choice. I don't know if it was a mutual thing. Like I've heard both. I've heard everything going on. Um, but I do think, what I do think most of all is I think that in this case, Sometimes if your lead leaves the show, it's like devastating. Like if you could yeah. have, like, if, uh, if Peter Dinklage just walked out of Game of Thrones at season one, it would have been like, oh my God. I think this is something that depending on who they cast, uh, it could be something that sort of maybe reinvigorates the show a little bit. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I, you know, I saw, I watched her in the crossover. I watched the first two episodes because at the time at Collider, we were considering reviewing it. So I watched the first two episodes uh, and I, listen, uh, I thought she was absolutely terrible. I'll be honest with you. I don't think she's a good actress. I think she's a, I think she's got a great face, a good energy, good charisma. And sometimes that's enough. But once you open your mouth and you speak and you have to actually play levels and look, look nobody's saying the CW are, are winning Emmys or Golden Globes or, you know, for deep, complex storytelling. But there are emotional beats that you have to hit that people have to buy into in order to buy into the overall uh, arc of the story that you're trying to tell throughout the whole season. And I feel like she didn't quite get there. There was a lot of the let me play fake tough or you know, radiate tough, but there was no depth to that toughness. And I think you get to that point where, you know, I like, could, I like that little yeah. hop that you do when you radiate tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how, that's a fake rate. It's fake radiation. And you do a hop when you're fake radiating tough, but like, it's, it's <laughs> all of that. you want to go, you want to go, 
That's West, <laughs> that's West Side Story tough. Right yeah, there. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not like Jerry Stiller. Oh. You want a piece of me? So it's all step back, no Aww. hop there. But like, you know, you get that. And so I feel like she wasn't the right choice. And, and I think, you know, um, you don't want to, you don't want to cast dispersions or anything, but I think they saw a popular actress uh, who was an activist for the LGBTQ community. She had just started acting, did some episodes of Orange is the New Black, was in the John Wick 2 movie, which she didn't speak in. Uh, and then they and found was, that... And she was great. And she was good, right, exactly. Because <laughs> the face is what sells, right? And they thought, well, okay, let's see what she can do. But this could be a situation where... And we're hearing from friends of ours who have sources on the set that, that, that this was a mutually beneficial decision for both parties. They felt that maybe uh, Ruby Rose wasn't putting enough commitment into the role, and Ruby Rose maybe felt herself personally that she had bit off a bit more than she could chew at this stage in her career. Because leading a show like this for 22 episodes is a lot to ask of any actor. Everything is on your shoulders. All the storylines go through you. All the action goes through you. Everything depends. You have to do the press. You have to, you know, play nice. You have to do all the right. And maybe for her, it was too much of a cage, too much of a requirement for where she's at right now with other interests that she has in her life. And she decided, and she, it just wasn't working out. And you can, it's like a bad a dating situation, right? A bad relationship. You can tell when the other person doesn't want to be involved and then you get upset that they don't want to be involved, but neither one wants to move because they're stuck in this situation. So they have to figure it out. And of course, two days after the season finale, no surprise, boom, we're recasting uh, in that way. So we'll see. But uh, do you guys have any idea of who you'd like to see step into the role? No idea. But I mean, I know they were very intent on uh, casting an LGBTQ performer. And and that's certainly that's certainly appropriate that you have your first lesbian superhero uh, on television leading a show like, yeah, you should absolutely have a gay performer playing that role. But you well, have to I, find the right the right performer as well. And I do know that even within even within the LGBTQ community, uh, when she was cast, there were a lot of people that were like, you know, there's a lot of amazing yeah. LGBT, uh, LGBTQ actor actresses out there yeah. uh, that could step into this role. And she was just sort of the biggest, shiniest name. Uh, right. And a lot of people felt maybe not the best for this role, which now it feels like, what the producers and Ruby Rose herself kind of agree with that. So yeah, yeah. it does seem like there's a, there's a ton of amazing lesbian actresses out there who I think would be amazing to play uh, Kate Kane. So I think yeah. it'll be interesting to see who they choose. Some of the names I saw bandied about uh, earlier, the, uh, as we we're recording this on a Wednesday, earlier this morning on Mornings with the Outlaw, my co-host Alex Shawshank, she said that she thought Aubrey Plaza could be an interesting uh, decision here. I don't know if she's gender fluid. I don't know if she's bisexual or whatever. So, But certainly what she did on Legion was pretty incredible. She could be an interesting choice. Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine on uh, Twitter uh, kind of alluded to the possibility. I would love that. I don't know what Stephanie's situation is in terms of her sexuality, uh, but I know she's a fantastic actress. She's very funny. She's tough as nails on that show, even though when you see her doing social media stuff or see her on videos, she's incredibly sweet and kind and very funny. So uh, like the modern family playing uh, uh, what's her face's sister. uh, She's very funny when she does those episodes. So certainly a good actress could step in. I saw other names like Megan Fox and a Paquin um, and the actress who plays uh, Kate Kane's 
uh, twin sister on the show. So this could be like a lateral move where Kat Kane goes, you know what, I'm going to go explore the world. And then the twin sister steps in and, and takes over. I mean, we saw, I think, an arrow where, you know, it was originally a Black Canary and then someone else came in. Uh, Katie Cassidy came in and took over, became Black, Black Canary, and the other actress became White Canary. So that's happened before in the CW with these shows. So maybe... In this situation, they just do a lateral move with the twin and have, I don't remember the actress's name, and have her step in uh, to the situation as well. So uh, we'll see. But um, I agree with you, Mike. It might reinvigorate the show. I think a lot, the reason a lot of people weren't 100% behind the show is they didn't like some of the storylines and how they approached it, but also that, you know, like um, they felt that uh, uh, Ruby Rose wasn't maybe the best choice for the role. And that's okay. Like the thing, this isn't about, in my opinion, and I'm just, I'm just speaking for myself. I don't think this is a, a, a you know, a, a gender situation or a misogyny situation. This is just someone who maybe just, it just didn't work. And that's okay for it not to work and not be something that's against a woman or against someone or sexual orientation. It just didn't work. And that's okay. That happens. That happens sometimes. And let's move it, on and find someone who does. It does happen sometimes. Yeah. The, Having the lead of your show step out after the first season to replace her, whether it be a her or a him, yeah. is that's kind of, that's a big deal. I mean, like, the Agreed. things not working, things not working, or an actor or actress coming into a role and not being a fan favorite or not being that good, but you sort of carry on for other stuff. Yeah. That that happens, but the the sort of mutual, hey, we're parting ways. Someone else is going to step in, or we're we're doing something and going in a different direction. Like yeah. it's a big deal. Like that, it's not. Yeah. It's not a it's not a decision that I think anyone uh, would have made lightly. Yeah. Uh, so it is it is pretty it, it is pretty shocking. Like when I read the news, I was like, "Wow, that is a big move." So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. But like I said, oh. it's a big move that I think ultimately will work for them. And yeah. as and as John said, I mean, in terms of the acting world, if you have a consistent gig, being the number one on a call sheet, being the lead of a of a network drama. That's a big job. Like, yeah. like every actor that's that's pursuing a professional career, they want that job, but it is also an incredibly challenging job. Yeah. I mean, most network dramas, you are on an eight-day shoot, eight-day yep. episode shoot, times 22. Like, that's a lot. And most of these days, you're going to be there between 12, 16 hours a day. I mean, it is yeah. it is a lot of work. And if you have someone whose heart isn't all the way in it, who isn't dedicated to uh, maybe the training, like we we talked about that with uh, years ago with Iron Fist and Finn Jones. That yeah. when when you whenever you got to his fight scenes, it was very clearly a stunt double in a blonde wig. Um, as you guys said, yeah, this is probably if they want that show to continue, this is probably the best move. Yeah, and this could be a Finn Jones situation where she didn't want want to do the work and for the physical stuff and didn't feel it was necessary and wanted other stunt people to come in and do it. Uh, even though she's no, I think she was known as a stunt person. She had stunt person training, I think, in her past. So, but maybe just wasn't the right fit. So, you know, we move on from here. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I think it's probably good for everybody involved. And uh, you know, it doesn't mean she can't be in something else down the road. You know, I mean, we see Gina Carano come in and shock the world with the, with the stuff she did in. in the Mandalorian so yeah. certainly a possibility here uh, all right let's get to our last story that's my that's me picking it up uh going into the uh, Star Trek universe and uh, for those of you who maybe uh, uh didn't catch up on stuff on the Outlaw Nation uh I just finished having a great conversation this week with Robert Meyer Burnett on the Outlaw Nation show if you want to hear more about his takes on Star Trek please download that show or watch that show on the YouTube channel or download it on the Outlaw Nation podcast network 
He had a lot to say. One of the things we touched on but didn't get too deep on is this story that Star Trek announced, CBS announced rather, on uh, this past Friday that it had given a series order to a new Star Trek show. It is called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's supposed to take place on the Starship Enterprise. Already I'm getting a Star Trek uh, boner, I will say that right now, in the years prior to James T. Kirk coming aboard as the captain. Uh, it is set to stream on CBS All Access. Uh, and of course, Akiva Goldsman is the executive producer on this. And he has said that it will hew more closely to the Kirk era Star Trek in structure and tone than the other recent additions to the franchise like Discovery and Picard have done. Uh, it is a spinoff from season two of Discovery. So it will star Anson Mount as uh, Captain Pike, Rebecca Romaine there as, her num- as number one, and Ethan Peck as Mr. Spock. Uh, which was played in the original series by Jeffrey Hunter, Major Barrett, who, of course, becomes Mrs. Gene Rodberry in the future, and Leonard Nimoy uh, as Spock there. He said, we're going to harken back some classical Trek values to be optimistic, to be more episodic. Obviously, we will take advantage of the serialized nature of character and story building, but I think our plots will be more closed-ended than you've seen in other dis- in either Discovery or Picard. So, I mean, gentlemen, you take it. This excites the hell out of me. What do you guys think? Um. I have more of a question than anything, because as you guys are are more the Trek fans than I am, like, I thought the thing that fans seem to be excited about with Discovery and with Picard is that they were taking out or or not relying as heavily on this rosy future Mm -hmm. that the original series had done. Now, does it sound like that this that they're kind of backpedaling a little bit with this show? Like, all right, we're going to give we're going to give you what you want. You wanted more of the old stuff. That's what this is. Mike? Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I think that fans were a little bit split on that. I think some people really enjoy uh, the fact that Discovery and Picard kind of uh, don't fully adhere to Roddenberry's vision of the future. Um, But I think that some people really like Star Trek because it has that uplifting, optimistic message. Now, I personally think that both, even though they get dark, I think both Discovery and Picard have ultimately a very kind of optimistic, hopeful outlook on uh humanity and alien manity what is what is the alien version of humanity extra species? extra manity it's alien extra species yeah i don't know folks new species. word um <laughs> but i think that yep. i think that i think that where they're smart i think it it's a little bit of we're going to be a little bit more rosier uh mm-hmm. and optimistic to give you that option i think also it's we're not going to be so intensely serialized Right. I think that for people who love serialized television like I do, I think Discovery, Picard, like each week, I like can't wait to see what's going to happen next. It really is tied in. But the classic Star Trek uh, and even the DS9s and the Voyagers, which were more serialized, still had sort of that episodic, you can mm-hmm. drop in, watch a couple episodes, drop out. So I think they are wanting to sort of create a Star Trek that has a little bit of that. Um, I'm excited about it. I think that there's enough room for both. Like I'm excited that we have things like discovery, like Picard, and then we'll also have something that's a little bit lighter and get to explore more of those standalone issues. Like in that article that Roko was talking about, Mm -hmm. one of the things they said was there's episodes that in classic Star Trek that are harder to do in serialized. Like it's hard to do the shore leave episode where you take a break because everything is so intense in discovery and Picard. You can't be like, and then let's take a break and go to that beach planet where hijinks are going <laughs> to ensue. So I think we are going to see some hijinks. And I do think it's a great cast. I think Anson, it's Anson Mount was Pike, right? He was great, yeah. Uh, he was amazing. I think that probably as soon as he showed up on set and started playing Pike, they were like, 
this guy's a captain. He can carry a show. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Peck was great as Spock. He, you know, he's a very kind of different Spock than what we were used to in Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll be fun to sort of see him get back to sort of the Spock we know. And Rebecca Romaine, it was always so odd to me that she kind of came on to play this role that was relatively small. And now it kind of makes sense. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be enjoyable. One of the things that I was thinking about when I read this article is it's really cool it, with both Star Trek and Star Wars, which are kind of our two biggest sci-fi genres that we have, yeah. um, both of them are kind of finding a better life on television right now than they are in the feature world. Great points, uh, yeah. Like, Star, look, Star Wars, the latest trilogy, despite my misgivings about Rise of Skywalker, still definitely considered a success. We're still going to get plenty of Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, Star Trek over at Paramount, though, they seem to have a hard time figuring out what it is that they need to do to yeah. sort of keep those movies going. But right now, if you're a Trek fan, TV is the place to be. And if you're a Star Wars fan, arguably TV is keeping you afloat right now in your fandom. <laughs> so it is, it is really, it is really interesting to see. Um, yeah. And it's, it is, it's thank, and it's thanks to streaming. It's thanks to streaming that we have this. Well, yep. see, that's the thing that confuses me when you have a series that is, that is designed for a streaming platform why do you want more of that closed-ended storytelling? Because, you know, before it's like, well, I don't want to have to wait for the next week. Like, I, I watch this little self-contained story. I can watch next next week's self-contained story. But when you have, have them all in a row like that, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand the logic behind it. Mm -hmm. Well, partially... Oh, go ahead, Johnny. No, well, I mean... No, no, answer, Mike. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll, answer. I'll talk about something else after this, yeah. Well, partially, let's remember... And I don't think this is the full reason, but CBS All Access is CBS. Mm -hmm. Like CBS mm -hmm. is the old is the old person channel. Like yep. all of CBS's shows on their network, they're they're the masters of the procedural. Like they're the masters of even if you have a show like when they did Sherlock uh, mm -hmm. that had, um, or it wasn't Sherlock, whatever it's called, it wasn't you know the Sherlock the Sherlock the modern day Sherlock oh, elementary elementary elementary. Yeah. Elementary, uh, but when you had elementary, even though there was a bigger story, like it was very a procedural where each week there was a mystery. So I think that inherent in the core demographic of CBS's audience, and I don't know what the jump over is from CBS to CBS All Access, but there's definitely an audience that is much more comfortable with a series of the week. And I think with Star Trek, it's not that they're abandoning the serialized format of their shows; they're just saying like there's room for this other one, and I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah, like I said, I, the the streaming platforms, as we are about to talk about with the Snyder Cut, the streaming platforms are trying a lot of things. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, streaming has blown open the doors on, to your point, Shannon, television that is very much like this is a 13-hour movie and we are right. in for this ride, uh, which I'm sure, which we all love. But I think as they are building their platforms, building their audiences and filling out their demographics, it's like, well, if we do a Star Trek show that is a little bit easier to jump on board to maybe we'll get more of an audience let's see how that does and if it does yeah. amazing i think we'll see more uh star trek shows that are a little bit less serialized yeah and if it does okay then we'll see more discoveries and picards and i think yeah, I, yeah and i think that's the a general point that i agree with you michael i think there is room for both and and i heard what you were saying i heard your first comment shannon we were talking about well look, these uh, you know i thought it was this modernized star trek and absolutely there are a lot of people who are defending Discovery, uh, season two, definitely. I don't know about season one, but like, and the Discovery. Oh my God, oh my God. Know, there are people that like season one. <sighs> there are people that like season one of Discovery. Are there? I don't know any. 
uh, Picard. I refuse to acknowledge it. Uh, Picard, but, you know, you mostly beloved, but, but there were some hardcore fans. Speaking, I mentioned Robert Meyer Burnett earlier. He is a massive Star Trek guy. He did. He shot a lot of the special features for all those Blu-rays for DS9 and Next Generation. He shot uh, a Star Trek film with uh, a Star Trek fan film with William Shatner and Eric McCormick. This is the stuff that Robert. But Robert hated Picard. Robert hated Discovery. He did not like that they that they were messing with the uh, mythology and the science didn't work. And of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson came out and kind of criticized the first season of Discovery for its science uh, as well. So there were people who, although um, uh, there were a lot of people who, yeah. Are you yeah. telling me that you can't rip a hole through time space and go to an alternate dimension? <laughs> That's not real. Look, is, I that, still is that what they said? I still haven't forgiven him for those gravity comments. DeGrasse Tyson said, oh, you wouldn't hear them screaming in space. It's a movie, you son of a bitch. It's a movie. Anyway, you know, it is it is it is movie. It is movie logic that in space no one can hear you scream. So that's true. That's, that's alien. That's movie. That's movie based. So. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> so that's one movie's logic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Fair. That's right. That's that one movie's canon. Uh, but no, I mean, this like, there, but there were a lot of hardcore Star Trek people who were upset about the violence. Scott Mance, who was on my show as well, he has he hates the violence. He hates the sex. He hates the cuss words. That's not the Star Trek they want to see. So you know what you do? You bring in three characters from the past, from the Star Trek time that you did enjoy, the original series. Even before chronologically the original series, you bring them in and what? There's going to be less sex, less cussing. It's going to be probably limited violence. It's going to feel like the old Star Trek. So not only are you satisfying the people who feel that way, who miss the original series and the vibe of the original series, but now you're satisfying the people also, with another side of this thing, who like the violence, like the modernization, don't have a problem with it. So just as you said, Michael, it's all smart moves all around. I think they heard the fans, and we're going to get to Snyder Cut about hearing fans. They heard the fans, and they're like, okay, let's create something else that people enjoy and agree with you again. I thought they were the best part of season two of Discovery was Anson Mount uh, and Ethan Peck and Rebecca Romaine. And I'm not always the biggest fan of Rebecca Romaine as an actress, but those three together had fantastic chemistry. And so I'm excited to see who they bring on to the show. What you you talked twenty minutes? I'm not allowed to say five things. You know, you oh, bet, no, you I was just, I was, just, I was doing. Oh, you no, getting excited? You doing happy dance? I was, I was getting fake tough. Oh. I was getting fake tough because I was ready to fight you about Discovery season two. You got a uh, It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> uh, but no, but I and I hope the cast is uh, multi-species and multi-racial. I, I really would like to see that. I mean, because of course the original cast of the original series had a black woman, had a Russian guy in the second season, had an Asian guy in Sulu from the beginning, Spock, who was another uh, species as a Vulcan. So you'd like to see more of that kind of uh, find its way into Star Trek. And one last thing, you know what's incredible? I didn't know this. Worf is the is the character that has been seen the most in all the Star Trek films and TV shows. He has done 253 pieces of media for Star Trek. Spock is in second at 179 or something like that. So, or 117 or something. So it would have to go to 150 episodes for him to beat Worf. Uh, so this is mind blowing to me that Worf has appeared more than any other character in Star Trek in all yeah. the different shows. I mean, it make it makes sense. He was on Next Generation, which was so, yeah, which was so long run and then jumped over as a primary character in DS9. Like DS9. there's no other characters that they kind of made that leap that then you're a regular in this, a regular in that. So, right. I mean, I guess the Ryan, but he wasn't. Yeah. Plus the movies. Right. So a lot of stuff for him as well. So, yeah. 
So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that's exciting. I'm excited. I'm, that might be the Star Trek I fall the most in love with. Because yes, I do like the. I don't mind the modernization, but my heart always goes to the original series. I love that damn show. Uh, and we'll see what happens. All right. Um, should we take a quick break and hear from our sponsors? Let's do, do it. it now. And we'll be right back with our main topic with the Snyder Cut. There it is. All right. Let's get into our main. Why are you drinking every time? Let's get into our main topic here uh, today. And that is uh, much to Michael's chagrin. <laughs> the Snyder Cut. It is legitimately happening. What a mind-blowing thing. We've seen petitions. We've seen hashtag movements. We've seen so many, uh, uh, you know, attempts by fans to bring back stuff or be satisfied. And sometimes we've seen shows come back because of fan petitions. Futurama came back. A number of shows have come back uh, because fans have clamored for them. And here we have, but we've never seen anything like this, where a movie was shot. A director was taken off that movie, replaced by another director. The movie was released. The original director was credited. And the fans, it sparked a backlash of enormous proportions where fans were taking out um, billboards, you know, buying planes to fly over Comic-Cons. They were bombing, uh, uh, you know, uh, stuff online. And then the original (laughs) director who had gotten let go was fomenting that desire to have his version of the film out there. Uh, and for lack of a better term, a Snyder cut, Zack Snyder wanting his version of Justice League out there. And uh, it is officially happening, according to The Hollywood Reporter and numerous other outlets. The deal was signed. It is set coming out on HBO, on HBO Max next year, not this year, next year. And the numbers are anywhere from 20 million to 30 million that are going to be sunk into uh, reshoots and post-production and development to make this happen. And I will say this, for full disclosure, both Jonathan Gabay and Michael Vogel laughed at me when I said, will they spend money on reshoots? And both of you said, there's no way a studio is going to spend $1 on reshoots for a film they already released. Well, they are doing it now. So think, kind of shocking and exciting. I think Gabay said it. I just liked his text. Oh, I gave a thumbs yeah. up to it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But this is, but once again, it just proves the point that this is all such an anomaly. This never happens, Michael. You're an executive. I know you aren't the biggest fan. You got sick of hearing about this stuff, but like you have to admit, this is pretty insane and not out of and completely out of the ordinary. It is pretty insane. It is definitely out of the ordinary. Uh, I mean, look, we've talked about the Snyder Cut several times on the yes, we have. And, uh, and yeah, like I, look, I'm the one who said like, I like, this would be a bad idea. There's no reason for it. The DC, uh, universe is not going to continue to go in that direction. Why would you do this? And actually, as we were talking about with the Star Trek series and everything else, uh, the answer is streaming has broken all the rules. Uh, and it is that really what it boils down to is, um, for all of the fan outcry and the petitions and the planes and everything that they did and Zack Snyder sort of egging everybody on with this stuff, I do think that it had, if we didn't have HBO Max, we would not be getting this. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that there's any world in which uh, Warner Brothers would spend the money, do the marketing, do everything to re-release a movie in theaters that was already released. But the fact Mm -hmm. is, we are now in a battle for content with these streaming sites and every yeah. single one of them is trying to get the edge up and the edge up comes in the form of amazing creators, big brands. I mean, Disney plus kind of came in as 
the monster streamer that could compete with Netflix because they have the Disney library, the Marvel library, uh, and the Star Wars library and the Pixar library. Uh, and, you know, we've been spending weeks talking about what's going to be on Mandalorian season two. We just talked about how CBS All Access is making the most of Star Trek with Discovery and Picard and Strange New Worlds. Uh, and so, like, that's the thing. And so HBO Max is coming along and they're looking at what they have that's going to get subscribers, that's going to get people in there. And because of the fact that the Snyder Cut uproar won't die, mm -hmm. they know that there is a very vocal group of people on the internet that are all going to come rushing to watch this thing, yeah. uh, which technically it sounds like isn't actually going to be the Snyder cut of what he would have released as Justice League. It's like the full thing. It might be yeah. six hours. It might be four hours. It might be four episodes. Like they're talking about taking the whole epic idea of what Zack Snyder would have loved to have put on screen, but you're not going to be able to release a four hour movie or what have you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, see all of those things so yeah. we're seeing like sort of the zack snyder opus at this point and, and just to add before shannon speaks real quick uh, to uh, kind of reaffirm michael's point deborah snyder of course is zack snyder's wife and producer on all these superhero films that zack snyder did she said with the new platform and streaming services you can you can have something like this you can't release something like this theatrically but you could with a streaming service it's an opportunity that wasn't there two years ago to be honest so just to underscore mike's point uh, Shannon, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I agree with Mike. I don't really see the need for it, but it's certainly something that I'm going to watch. Now the article that I read in the Hollywood reporter didn't say anything about them filming any additional scenes, any additional mm -hmm. photography, like using, they were talking about bringing the cast back for additional dialogue. Um, right. For but, now. You know, yes. For now. Yes. Um, but uh, using the majority of that budget will go to rescoring it. Like when mm -hmm. Joss Whedon came on, I believe is when da he brought Danny Elfman on to score the film. I yeah. went for his version, I believe. So you're going to rescore, you're going to re-edit, you're going to finish these visual effects. Um, I'm very, very curious. And yeah. I think the idea that they could possibly release it in chapters, I think is probably the smarter way to go as well. I mean, mm -hmm. You know what? What was it? The, the Irishman. I mean, that's a that's a three uh, an over three and a half hour movie done True. by by one of the most celebrated filmmakers in the history of Hollywood, yeah. and most people couldn't get through that on Netflix in one sitting. Like <laughs> they, they needed they needed to, to to step away from it a little bit. Yeah. Um, what what I'm really curious about is the original vision that Zack Snyder had for this movie was never films like right after batman versus superman came out and had a pretty polarizing uh response um what he was originally going to do got rewritten mm -hmm. so i'm curious what this final product is going to be how much how much of a difference mm -hmm. is he going to be able to make um and <laughs> yeah but but either way day one that i can stream it i'll be well, watching it and i think right. look not not that I ever want to be in the position of defending Zack Snyder, but despite that, like what he had a vision for what he was going to do. Yeah. And then post Batman versus Superman, people were like, Hey dude, you got to get this under control. And they did try and keep whatever version he was setting in to do when he did justice league was the course corrected. Let's get back to making these heroes, our heroes version that he mm -hmm. and his wife and everybody have talked about. So I do think that it's still fair to say that this would be, his cut of what he would have liked to have put up on the screen uh, yeah. for whatever it ends up being. I, I, 
what will be very interesting is to see, you know, as we've talked about a lot, the DC universe is a little bit more um, fluid, not quite, not quite baked yeah. as some of the other universes that we talk about on here. Uh, and so I think that what will be interesting is if the response to this on HBO Max is huge, if people yeah. actually enjoy it, say, wow, this would have been amazing, whatever, it will be interesting to see how this affects the DC universe moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think if it kind of comes out and it's a it's an oddity or it's kind of what a lot of people expect and you're like, okay, yeah, that's what Zack Snyder would have done. That that does seem like the follow-up to Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Then it'll be a thing that people will watch and will endlessly discuss and debate. Uh, and that'll be that. I think if it has a, uh, and it, it would have to be like a surprisingly good response. Like people are like, holy shit, this is the thing that would have gone up against Marvel or whatever people say, then I think that you could end up in a situation where DC would then say, you know, I think maybe we need to start weaving this back in, um, which will be interesting. Uh, I just... Get it together, I know that in the article, I know that in the article they say, oh, it was because of the fans and the fans wanted this and the fans said that. And I think that that sounds great in an article. I don't, I don't think that that's actually 100% true. And I think what really mm. does worry me is what this says about, what this says to these fandoms that are so at times toxic in what they demand. And I'm not just saying this about Snyder fans, Star Wars fans and other fans are equally as toxic uh, on Twitter and social media is this, this, this idea of demanding something. And then the studios say, Oh, okay. We heard you. We're going to give you what you want. I think is a really bad precedent to set. And I think it's not entirely true that that's what's happening here. Uh, And I, and I don't, but I don't like, it just doesn't sit well with me. I don't like the taste in my mouth of giving into fans, whether that is giving Rose Tico a tiny part in rise of Skywalker or this, it sort of just seems gross a little bit to me. Yeah, but I think this is the reality of the situation, Michael, that's changing in this fluid uh, world of entertainment. I mean, streaming service was something we were uh, we saw as a novelty five years ago. It is now a paramount thing. Uh, the approach to the world is different. Social media, the power of social media has become a thing over the last five to 10 years as well. So naturally the landscape of everything entertainment changes because these are corporate entities and corporate entities want to make the most money possible. And if they see a financial opportunity, they're going to take it more often than not to try to make this happen. I mean, according to the article, it was Toby Emmerich who called them at 7 a.m. in the morning, the day after the second anniversary of uh, the uh, the Justice Justice League was supposed to come out to ask them if they'd be willing to do it. And according to the article, mentioned the hashtags, mentioned the the fact that fans wanted to see it. Now, you might be right. This might be an oversimplification, Michael, because they don't feel the need to go into all the complex machinations that had to happen that finally led to this happening. But um, I hear your point, and it's a fair point. We don't want to have spoiled fans that feel they can bomb a studio or bomb a movie or a creative person and make them, force them to do something that they want to see done. But I think this case is different because the creative behind this is with the fans. And when that happens, it's a different situation than if they bomb J.J. Abrams or bomb Kathleen Kennedy to force her to do something she doesn't want to do with a character or they don't want to do with a storyline in a film. This is different because the creative is with the the fans who want this to happen. 
but that also could be setting a danger, dangerous precedent as well. I mean, for creatives I, that they feel they can do this, is for, that what you're saying? For for a disgruntled yeah. filmmaker, to fair like, point. Hey, I got a raw deal here. Let me let me rile up the fans and let me get my my Snyder cut. I mean, yeah. what if I mean, what if Josh Trank had been able to do this with Fantastic Four? I mean, right. And, and this this is the latest example of that. I mean, when that first Sonic trailer came out and and the fans went ballistic. Right. I mean, they the studio. I mean, I don't know whose whose decision it was, but the studio was like, "Yep, we got it. Let, mm-hmm. let let's delay the movie." And granted, that's a situation where it worked out. Yeah, but you can argue that the rise of Skywalker was a response to everyone bitching about the last Jedi. And True. what you got was a Franken movie that most, well, I won't say most, but a lot of people weren't happy with. Yeah. yeah but I do think, a- and I think I said, I believe I said this, uh, I would have to go back and check the episode, but I believe <laughs> I said this in the, I believe I said this in the Sonic episode too. I think that the, what happened with Sonic was a matter of, in my opinion, having been an executive and been in a lot of those, you know, boardroom meetings and stuff where I think there were people creatively working on Sonic, whether they were Sega people, uh, people on the movie, uh, working on the film, whatever, who didn't like the way Sonic looked. And when right. the fan uproar happened, did what Zack Snyder did here, which is said, hey, hey, guys, see, see? Right. And they were listened to. I do think that you guys are both right, that I think that when a creator is doing what they want to do and fans are against that, I don't think I see this thing where the studios are like, whoa, hey, direct, hey, J.J. Abrams or right. Spielberg or Kugler or, you know, whoever, uh, Jenkins. It's like, why don't you do what the fans are saying? They seem like they know story. Like, I don't think that we're, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I do think, you know, I just think that this is one of those perfect storms of, yeah. Yeah. it was the right place. Like, Johnny, to your point, these are corporate entities they do want to make money and i think that you are right like the bottom line is how do we how are we how do we become profitable how do we make the most out of the things that we have and i think that the fact is had there not been an hbo max coming out uh there could have continued to be released the snyder cut outcry for on and on and on and on yeah and it doesn't it's not it's not a financially viable thing Mm -hmm. i think hbo max needing the content needing the brands to compete with yeah. Disney plus uh, they, they need, they, they need something that's going to cause that level of excitement. And like, cause you can, you can literally see it. Like I am not the biggest fan of all the HBO max ads that are all over LA right now. Like I thought yeah. the Disney plus ads, I thought the Disney plus ads were so cool with like a, it's a Disney Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, Nat Geo. And like yeah. every single ad was like f- one one thing from each of those. And like, look what we've got. And when you see that group shot of like all the characters Photoshopped together of, you know, it's like, it's like, hey guys, look, it's uh, Adventure Time and it's uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and Wonder Woman. And <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> in Game of Thrones. And you're like, oh, cool, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, like they're all hanging out. Come over to HBO Max. It's like, all right. I mean, I get I get what you're going for, but yeah. it, they didn't have that oomph. And whereas Disney can say, we've got Mandalorian coming. We've got, uh, um, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. We've got WandaVision. We've got, you know, the Loki series. Like, like they're really doubling down on their superheroes. Mm-hmm. And Warner Brothers and HBO Max are over here going, oh, we should do the same thing. Our, our DC universe is not built in a way that we can do that. Like, yeah. that's not going to happen. Uh, we've got these movies coming out. Uh, maybe we do some behind the scenes stuff. I guess that would be kind of cool, but that's not really going to be the big news. Like, they were like, 
what can we do that is going to make a splash mm-hmm. like Falcon Winter Soldier, like these Marvel shows? Like, what do we have? And the answer is they don't have a lot. Yeah. And so it doesn't take long to go from, we can't do what they did to go, you know, Zack Snyder has been riling these fans up for like two years and they are hungry <laughs> for this. Yeah. Like that could be a series for us. Like that's going to be a thing. And so it, it, it makes sense for them to do it here. Right. Uh, I understand the logic. And that's why I say it's not that the fan outcry had nothing to do with it. It's, I'm not trying right. to say that like they would have just come to this. Like it is because people are obsessed with this. And it is because that Zack Snyder has fed this and built this yeah. and get people stoked. And that we have spent episodes debating on whether this thing even exists. Like because of that, they saw the opportunity. So it is because of the fan outcry, yeah. but it's not like we heard you fans and we're going to give you what you want because you deserve to see this because you've been so passionate. You're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's good PR you needed this yeah. like you needed something because right now there's uh, hbo max is probably going to be great and there's probably going to be a ton of great content i already read an article this morning that said the not so late night elmo talk show is the best thing since the muppet show like they're they're, wow. they're, they're creating some i've heard really really good things about the gremlins animated series actually mm-hmm. i've heard that it's like not what anybody's expecting and it's going to be super cool so i do think that they are creating really good content but they don't have that holy shit, I can't wait. And right. with the announcement on Tuesday or on Wednesday, uh, the entire internet is covered with the fucking Justice League right now. Yeah, so yeah. mission accomplished. Right, pretty much. And you know, you talk about the situation with the streaming services. It's about branding as well, right? I mean, Apple TV now with the, and we didn't talk about it, but the news broke that the Tom Hanks' film Destroyer is going to premiere on there. Uh, and they've got the Beastie Boys documentary. They've got two of their Sundance film entries coming in. They've had, they had the banker that came out uh, a little bit ago with Anthony Mackie. They are uh, to- totally moving towards more of the artistic, uh, you know, trying to bleed into the mainstream artistic approach to things because that's what they branded. Remember that three minute or eight minute film they released in black and white with Scorsese and all the Spielberg, all Jodie Foster, all these people. They certainly and uh, that's where they're going. Right. Ang Lee was part of that. I think they want to convey an artistic approach and Netflix completely different. Amazon Prime is completely different. They replaced the woman who had been there. I think the woman who had been there who was going towards more of the artistic approach and they replaced it with someone who wants more of the mainstream, uh, you know, action adventure films and things of that nature there. What is uh, what is the Apple TV? We know what the Disney Plus brand is, but what is the uh, what is the uh, HBO Max brand? And the HBO Max brand is we've got all kinds of stuff. Come and enjoy all of it, you know. And and it's, there's no real kind of necessarily parameters or path we're walking. We're walking down all the paths at the same time. It's more of a fluid uh, situation here. And having this big thing come up, it gets people excited. I'll be interested to see if people will sign up for HBO Max now or wait till it drops in 2021 and then sign up for hbo max and another thing and i know we got to wrap up i do i do want to address one thing you said michael if i can remember it i'm losing my train of thought but you were talking about the justice league and 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 what happens if it there is what happens if it's a damn good movie or an incredible film do we now have to set up this idea of a multiverse which of course is in the dc universe the infinite earth the 52 earth like that's possible so that justice league on that earth exists there the Justice League we're going to see down the road exists here, but we'll have actors who cross over into both par- properties. I don't know. Like, that's interesting. Well, so again, not to, not that I want this to happen. I'm right, not right, right. saying that this would be the way I go, but 
Matt Reeves Batman as we uh, uh the Batman as we've talked about is its own thing. It is yes. not like they're they're not trying to say that Robert Pattinson was the Ben Affleck or that Ben Affleck was the later version of the Robert Pattinson. Like it's its own entity over yeah. here. Right. And Joker was its own entity. Yes. Uh you know, Wonder Woman 2 is coming out hopefully this summer. Uh you know, like they they are in a place where if this was huge, if like, and I'm talking about like, we all have our Geek Buddies episode where we've watched all episodes of, of Snyder's Cut and yeah. I go, guys, I will, I will eat my shoe. That was amazing. That was, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Given Zack Snyder's track record, I really don't see that happening. Wow. But let's How just say, but let's just say, let's just say <laughs> that that, yeah. if that happened, look, if if the fans are that excited, does that get Ben Affleck mildly and reinvigorated? Does it make Henry Cavill like? Does it bring people back together to say, "Wow, this was such a great experience"? The way that this happened, the way that this was resurrected, we're actually back on board. Gal is already Wonder Woman. Momoa is still Aquaman. Let's do this and like have them come charging back into the series. Right? Like I, people would go crazy. Yes. Uh, that would it would honestly have to be like the greatest thing in the world that I don't know that it would be it would have to be really good. <laughs> I, I, I think Warner Brothers is attacking Michael's internet right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull, let me pull you out, <laughs> pull you back in. There we go. That's I, better. I'm just trying. I'm just trying really hard to. <laughs> I, look, I, I get that Zack Snyder is not my cup of tea. I know that for a lot of the people listening and a lot of our fans, uh, they they are big. They're super excited about this news. And I don't want to take away from that excitement. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, it is definitely unprecedented. It's definitely super cool that something like this can happen in the era of streaming. Yeah. Uh, the best thing about this era of streaming is that as all of these giant corporations are trying to grab our attention in this very crowded space... They're trying to do it in really big ways. They're really hitting for the fence, swinging for the swinging for the fences, swinging yeah, for the fences, right? For the fences. Okay. All right, they're swinging for the fences. Swinging for the fences. Uh, they're swinging for the fences, and so that's that. Like the winner is all of us that we get to watch this stuff. Yeah. Listen, Shannon doesn't have any athletic gear except for some old golf clubs that he hasn't used for five years. I'm not the <laughs> only one who's not the sports hey, guy hey, on the hey, show. Hey, I, think I, I think I got a tennis racket under my under my bed. Back off, pal. <laughs> Wilson! Yeah. I think it is a Wilson, actually. Swinging for the fences is a baseball metaphor, Michael. The fence is in the back. It is a home home run. But yes, yeah. It's a fair point to bring up, Michael. Absolutely. I don't want to... So, I mean, like, look, we could talk ad nauseum about this, and maybe we'll do a special Geek Buddies episode about the Snyder Cut as more of these announcements come out. Uh, But uh, this is... Maybe we'll do it. (laughs) And maybe we'll do a live episode. Hey Johnny, do you want to talk about the Snyder? Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. That's where he finishes time. coming out of your mouth. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm excited. And uh, right now, I'm negotiating with Sean O'Connell, who is the senior editor at Cinema Blend. He is writing a book about the Snyder Cut. To have, I might be ha- interviewing him uh, uh, today, Thursday, or Friday live to talk about the Snyder Cut on the Outlaw Nation channel because he's been following the story since since its inception. So uh, I'll be curious to hear what he thinks about the announcement once and for all. And of course, I'll be going back and watching that Vero uh, watch along with Snyder for Man of Steel. That's one of Shannon and I's favorite films. Uh, we'll certainly, I'll certainly be watching that. So, 
That's cool. I actually like Superman, so. Oh, so do I. Uh, uh, All right. Anyway, that's it. That's it for the Geek Buddies today. That's a lot of news, a lot of content. We got to wrap it up there. By the way, can I just say how excited I am? Like, this is like the first week in, in like, over a month that we thought we've had like so much geek news to talk True. about. It was actually nice. Like I've loved, I've loved our episodes where we've been like doing the Mount Rushmore of superheroes and kind of like going back and like looking at things has been great. And I'm sure we'll do more of those, but uh, yeah. this is a big news week. It's nice. I like it. Yeah. You're right about that. You're right about that. <laughs> well, Shannon, I know nobody can see Michael now cause he's all hazy. Uh, tell us what do you, what do you want to say here? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you'd like to roll the dice and and try to follow Vogel on his fuzzy reception, it's at NK tune. If you'd like to follow <laughs> Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca says right there. Uh, Mikey, take it away. Uh, there you go. You clear now a little clearer now. Uh, I didn't. Well, I don't know why I'm so fuzzy. It's a bad internet. Know, it's bad weird. internet. Yeah. Uh, look, if you enjoyed this, if you want to hear us argue about Superman and uh, the Snyder Cut more, because I'm sure we are going to, uh, yeah. you know, you know, subscribe down below. Uh, leave us comments here on YouTube. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Anchor or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, rate us, leave some comments. The higher up we go in those rankings, the more people see us and the more people we get to join the show. Uh, if you uh, enjoy what you're hearing here, tell your friends, uh, tweet about it, uh, tell people to check us out, post us on Facebook, whether you're posting the link to the podcast, the audio podcast or the YouTube video. Uh, just, you know, the more people that we get, yeah, everyone's sitting at home bored and we'd love to get as many people as we can listening because uh, that means we get to do a lot more Geek Buddies. Yeah, absolutely. Everything I echo everything Shannon and Michael said. Thank you all so much for joining us here on the Outlaw Nation channel and or listening to us on the uh, Geek Buddies podcast feed. We appreciate that madly. And please share this as much as possible and subscribe to this channel right below. See that red button where it says subscribe, hit subscribe, be a part of this and hit that bell as well. So you know all the content that's coming from the Outlaw Nation. You get alerted by it and can watch it and enjoy it for yourself. Uh, I think that's it for all of us. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, next time on a brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.